Tonight's episode of Midnight Tea is brought to you in part by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. fellow goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, Moon Child Nil, and welcome to another episode of Midnight Tea. Folks, how are you doing out there? I know I asked that at the beginning of just about every episode, but for this one it comes with a heavy tone, and if you live in the United States, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I won't get into it in the intro, but believe me when I say this will be the first topic we discuss today. But I do want to hear how you guys are doing out there. I know a lot of you out there has vented your frustration, your anger towards our government that has let us down yet again. But I'm here to try to offer some comfort, even though I know we are going to have to get into this heavy topic I want you to know there will be hope at the end of this tunnel, and that's what I am here to encourage for all of you. So with that being said, I hope you guys had a very happy and safe Pride Month. I know this year was very chaotic in terms of celebration, whether it was because of right-wing nutjobs or because of people and their blanketed prejudice. I still hope you were able to celebrate Pride if you are a member of the LGBTQIA community or if you're an ally, a real ally to them, I hope you got to celebrate happily and freely. I myself enjoyed Pride Month. It was a fantastic, it was a great June aside from a blip that also happened to fall on my birthday, which I'm not thrilled about because now my birthday will forever be associated with this bullshit. But regardless, I had a lot of fun. I had a very fantastic birthday weekend. Again, aside from that really ugly blip that I have no control over, but definitely wasn't the greatest thing to wake up to. Um, I got to go to VidCon, which was my very first time ever going. I didn't even know of its existence up until about a month ago. And I went specifically because of Monster High, and they had a whole Monster High experience. Not a booth, experience where you could walk through the classrooms, you get to see the monsters' dorm rooms, even their study hall, which is all based off of the live-action movie. And guys, it was incredible. I know there's a lot of fans out there, a lot of diehard Monster High fans who are not in love with a lot of the new changes that the new live-action movie is going to be doing. But trust me when I say, from what I saw at that experience... This is definitely worth your time to check out. Um, I didn't want to make a topic about this. I just wanted to talk briefly about it in the intro. If you want to see any of the footage that I've taken, it is all up on my social media. It's on my Instagram and TikTok, both of which are Morningstar Moonchild. I really encourage you to check it out. So it gives you kind of an in-depth look at how amazing that whole experience was. So that, it wasn't on my birthday, it was on the day after, and it was... Almost, I dare say, better than my birthday. But regardless, my birthday fell on Friday, and I went to this event on Saturday, and honestly, both days together, I I accumulate accumulate words as one 
amazing event for my birthday. So thank you to all who wished me birthday wishes. Thank you to everybody who participated in coming to my birth to my birthday festivities or wished me happy birthday, including my beloved boyfriend who could only spend a few hours with me on my birthday because unfortunately he had to catch a flight that night and head out to Virginia as he is going on tour with Garbage. Yes, one of my favorite bands from the 90s. And honestly, it was it's sweet he even got the man to wish me happy birthday since they took him away from me on my birthday. So it was really, really cool. And I miss him dearly, but I want him to have a kick-ass tour. So with that being said, guys, we have a lot. And I mean a lot to unpack. So let's get started. And as per usual, tonight's episode will contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and media, and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener, discretion advised. So guys, we gotta get into it. We are going to talk about the overturn of Roe versus Wade. I know this is not a topic everybody's gonna want to hear, especially because it was such a gut punch when it happened on Friday. And trust me, I'm fucking furious this had to happen on my birthday because now my birthday is forever going to be associated with this bullshit but we do have to talk about it so the supreme court decided to overturn roe versus wade now the non-legalese version of all this basically means that the supreme court will no longer be in charge of the status of abortions per state instead this now takes the power back to the people Idiots on the right, Republican, conservative, Trump-supporting patriots, the gun-toters that you are, all believe that this is a good thing because it returns the power to the people, while everybody else with half a brain cell is like, when the fuck has that ever been a good thing? When has it ever been a good idea to let people, the average common person, have that level of power? Because it's not like that hasn't been abused before. So with this happening, a majority of the United States are going to start banning abortions in their states. Um, And uh, to nobody's surprise, this is all happening in very heavily red Republican states, which unfortunately covers a lot of territory and a lot of major states such as Florida and Texas. And Texas, God damn it, you guys have so many problems Especially after hearing about this semi-truck where 40 people are dead because of heat and dehydration. Like, Uvalde, Texas wasn't a wake-up call for you guys to stop abusing your people. But I digress. So, blue states such as the one I live in, which is California, will more than likely not be affected. Pretty much all all far east and far west coasts are pretty much unaffected by this. That also includes states like Washington, Oregon, California, Hawaii, Alaska, and some East Coast states such as Rhode Island, Maine, New York. I can't speak fully for all the other states that are within the Midwest or central of the United States, but there are graph maps everywhere that show what states will most likely be affected, what states will most likely not be touched, and states where it's definitely going to happen. Again, letting the common people have that level of power is going to be disastrous because women are panicking. And guys, I cannot stress this enough when I say this is not just a woman's rights problem. This is an everybody's rights problem. 
Because people fail to see that you're dictating what a woman has the right to do with her body, which is none of your fucking business. But idiots on the rights, and definitely these patriots, as they like to call them, think that, oh, well, we're taking away abortions because we're seeing women use them as contraceptives. Even if that is the case, it's none of your fucking business. Okay? You are also praising, well... It's against the the uh, rule, the word of the Bible to uh, get an abortion. And it's like, did you read this book? I'm not a Christian by any means. And anybody who calls himself a Christian Wiccan is extra stupid for this. Because in your Bible, abortion is legal. Abortion is tolerable. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, it's actually tolerable for you to terminate your child even after birth. That's in a Christian Bible, a Christian Bible that has been paraphrased so many times for people's own beliefs and benefits that has been paraphrased many times in the many times it's been translated. Okay, remember, the original Bible was not in English. It was in Hebrew because Jesus Christ was a Jew. And I'm getting really tired of people who claim to be Christians, as I use air quotes, and using the Bible to paraphrase their own beliefs and whatnot. And that goes to another thing. If you're going to pull this whole abortion is is murder and it says so in the Bible, this, that, and the other, then that's your belief. And you're welcome to believe whatever you want. But don't you dare inflict your bullshit on somebody else because you don't like their lifestyle or you don't like the decisions they make. At the end of the day, every person is entitled to do whatever the fuck they want as long as it doesn't affect the person next to them. And there was nothing about abortion that has anything to do with you, okay? What a woman does with her body, her vagina, her uterus is none of your fucking business. But since we're on the topic of controlling people's rights, if we're going to go down that road, why are we not telling men to get vasectomies, okay? If this is a matter of trying to prevent unwanted pregnancies, why are men not getting vasectomies? A perfect case in point about all this is a woman can go out for a weekend, sleep with 10 men, and at the end of that weekend, she will be pregnant by one of these men, okay? Because a woman can only get pregnant once for nine months. Now, flip that around. A guy can go out for the weekend and go and sleep with 10 women. At the end of that weekend, he's not pregnant, but those 10 women are. So the problem is not women's need for contraceptive, it's men, okay? And I've seen the most disgusting things on TikTok about men saying, well, we pay child support. So if we have to do that, then you then you don't get the right to complain about the child. Shut the fuck up. Shut up with that little dick energy because you paying child support is called owning up to your fucking responsibility. Okay? Some men, and I'm not trying to make this an all-woman's thing because like I said, this is a human rights problem. But some men think that their punishment in life is that they have to pay child support for knocking a woman up. It's called owning up to your responsibilities, gentlemen. That's a bitter pill to swallow, I know. And having to tell you to get a vasectomy? Oh, I don't want it. Well, women don't want to have to get abortions, but here the fuck we are. So stop it with your bullshit. Stop pretending that you have our best interest in heart when you're telling us that we're making... Um, abortion's illegal in certain states just to have us birth these children that you also want to dictate that 
They cannot learn about critical race theory. We have to protect them from LGBTQ everything. We cannot let them know about drag queens, regardless of their age, even though they will be exposed to this in media. Yet, when it comes to children losing their lives because of guns, you all of a sudden have nothing to say. Because guns are perfect. Guns have never killed anybody. Because it's our Second Amendment rights to own guns. You still fucking keep missing the point. At the end of the day, we are probably one of the countries that have the biggest problem with housing children in the foster system. Because you keep arguing that, well, if, you, if you're pregnant, you have to carry the child to term. And then if you don't want it, give it up for adoption. This is still an issue. We shouldn't be birthing children to have no place to put them. Okay? And granted, I'm not super in love with abortions. But the fact of the matter is, regardless of what a woman is going through, okay? Like, people are saying, like, oh, women can only get um, abortions if they're rape victims. Why does a woman have to be violated in order to need an abortion? That's beyond the point. Her reasons for needing such a thing is none of your fucking business. But now... If a poor woman has a situation where she needs an abortion, now she has to pay to leave the state to go somewhere else safe to get said abortion. And guess what? Things like that are not easy. When you have to leave the state to go elsewhere to do something that's expensive, that's time consuming, and it's incredibly painful. Okay, I've actually had to speak to women who have been through abortions and saying how painful it is, regardless of which procedure you take. Sometimes it's a pill that you can orally digest. Sometimes it's a pill that you have to insert into your body. Or it's a surgery. And it's gruesome. Okay, this is painful. Do you think women willingly want to do this to themselves? Like, as women, our cross to bear is already so hard as it is. So why the fuck is the government allowing, again, the people to make their own judgment calls on this. Guys, America is so flawed. I can't with this. I just can't with the system that will force you to keep a child to term that for any reasons you cannot viably afford it. This You might have been a victim of sexual assault or rape or any, or, the, or there might be birthing defects and force you to carry this child to term so that they can manipulate everything going forward. Your child can't be exposed to, to racism. We will not teach critical race theory, even though this is the bedrock of how this country was formed. LGBTQ anything, opening your child's mind to anything trans is out of the question. Even though there are parents out there who have children who believe they are trans and love and support them through it completely. But again, once, they, once a school shooting happens... They're like, well, then this is America trying to take our guns away. Because sometimes your guns are legally owned by the shooter. And lives end because of it. And I'm so baffled that we're still having problems like this. Wake the fuck up, America. This is affecting your citizens. I'm a citizen. And this is pissing me off beyond reason. That other countries are looking down on us because we don't have our shit together. But then again, when have we really ever? And guys, what upsets me further about this is if you think it's just going to start with women's rights, again, women's rights to human rights and abortions. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Supreme Court has not stopped there. You don't think that there's going to be more attacks against people of color? 
that there isn't going to be more issues with people of the LGBTQIA community. If you think it's just going to stop here with this, you're dead fucking wrong. You are absolutely wrong. It's only going to get worse. So what I can encourage for each and every one of you, if this is an issue that absolutely pisses you off and you really want help, some of the best things you can do for yourself is this. If you use any period tracking apps, go ahead and get rid of them because ovulation, because these apps all tell you when you ovulate and when it's the most peak time for you to get pregnant. If you are wanting to get pregnant, this may not affect you, but if you are terrified that this could be an issue, then please delete these apps. If you want to support anything that's going to help you remain safe and and um, protect you contraceptive-wise, possibly look into getting IUDs. Refrain, like when you go to grocery stores and you see contraceptive anythings like Plan Bs or condoms, please refrain from buying all that they have in stock because you are not the only person who are going to need them. On top of that, please, please, please understand, if you also want to help at all, support companies, Believe it or not, there's a lot of companies out there that are actually out to support anybody who might need to leave the state to go and get an abortion if necessary. One of them is Amazon. I I don't have a full list in front of me in which to look at to help you, but you can Google companies that will help you get abortions in a state where you will be safe. So you won't have to go to somewhere backwoods, somewhere dangerous. And if all else... If any other way you want to do anything to help, please support please support companies that will allow you to have safe abortions. Places like Planned Parenthood. These places can save you in case anything is in case of any of your medical needs regarding abortion. Planned Parenthood will help you. And guys, that's that's it. I'm I'm so flustered and angry because I know there was so much more I wanted to say about this, but I also don't want this to be the entire episode because I know how much this hurts you all. And it, it even though my me myself have never been pregnant, I've never had the need or situation arise where I myself needed an abortion, but I can't sit here and imagine how terrifying that is to have to go through this, go through a situation where you're trying to just get through your life and politicians who don't know you who don't understand your plight all of a sudden have the right to dictate and tell you what's going to happen with your body what the state allows you to and as much as i want to stand by all the protesting in order to overturn this overturn of roe versus wade at the end of the day that's not going to be enough protesting is not going to fix this i'm sorry to say it this way but that's not the answer okay please support any of your local clinics that will help you in abed abortion abed any abortions you need to do please support planned parenthood and honestly encourage your men to get vasectomies because i'm sorry if there's any way that unwanted pregnancies happen it's through them but guys know that i stand with you know that again this is not just a women's rights issue this is a human rights issue Okay, and that's not to leave out any of my my fellow friends and listeners who are of the trans community. 
we feel your pain too. You are not alone. You have an ally in me and I will do whatever it takes to also make sure and encourage your safety in all of this as well. So guys, I don't know any other way of how to exit this, this topic other than please stay safe out there and support your local Planned Parenthood. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and switch gears so we can talk about something a little more lighthearted, especially since that's the content I bring to you. And that's what I want to continue to bring to you. So I have movie reviews for you guys. So let's start with some of the newer ones. Um, We're not going to talk Stranger Things just yet. We'll give that its own separate category. But for now, let's go ahead and review Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. All six episodes are available for streaming at this point. And I know you guys wanted me to talk about it a while back, but it took me a minute to get to finally watching the last episode. So as you know, this series takes place directly after Star Wars Episode 3, the movie, before it segues into Rogue One. And in in the universe of the Star Wars timeline. So, and I believe it also comes before Solo if you count that movie, which you should because Solo, in my opinion, is one of my top three favorite Star Wars movies. What can I say right now that's spoiler free? It's fantastic. Um, I know a lot of people have taken issue with the, some of the cinematography. I personally don't. My friend uh, Oberlane, his father actually worked on this movie. So it's kind of nice to know somebody that works, somebody who indirectly has family that worked on this. I fucking loved Obi-Wan. I thought this series was phenomenal. And granted, yeah, it kind of runs along the same lines as The Mandalorian, where it's, you know, a strong leader who is forced to take care of a child. I don't care. It's still great. It's still fantastic. I think the costuming's great. Ewan McGregor is phenomenal. Hayden Christensen back to play to actually be Darth Vader under under the mask and the suit. Epic. Seriously epic. So that's about as much as I can say before I start delving into spoiler territories. Yes, guys, every review that I'm doing today in this episode tonight in this episode will contain spoilers. 100% will contain spoilers. So that being said, I will be reviewing Obi-Wan Kenobi. I will be reviewing Fantastic Beasts. I will be reviewing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I will be reviewing Black Phone and Stranger Things 4 Part 2. So if you are not caught up with any of these TV series or movies, this might be your jump off point because we're going to talk a lot of spoilers. That being said, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, again, that was your heads up that spoiler territory starts now. So with Obi-Wan Kenobi, I see a lot of people's issues with Reva, the third sister, the black actress. And I got to be honest, in the first two episodes, she was pretty extra. I was kind of annoyed with her and her her ambition her like obsession with catching obi-wan and also i didn't know my boy sung kang who plays uh han in the fast and furious franchise is also in this movie also in obi-wan which is phenomenal he was always my favorite character but yeah the third sister was so extra she cut off somebody's hand just for giving her a little bit of sass and i was just this girl's wild this girl's crazy so, yeah, she was she was a bit much. She grew on me by the time the series had ended. So I can 
safe, I can safely say that, yeah, we saw her arc. I kind of knew already that she was one of the youngling, one of the younglings that Anakin spared because he saw potential in her. So I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, Ewan McGregor is phenomenal. Okay, he is why you come to this series in the first place. And yeah, if you haven't guessed it by now, the whole mission in these six episodes of Obi-Wan is simply that Leia gets kidnapped, he has to get her and bring her back to Alderaan. And and again, it's done super well. I love the little girl that they picked to play Leia. I think she's the right amount of spunky and childish, but real. She's not, you don't just look at her, you just see a child actor. You actually look at her and you're like, oh, I see a young Leia. And I'm hoping going forward, if they go a little more into the future of this, they do eventually pick Millie Bobby Brown, our girl who plays Eleven in Stranger Things, because she has done a makeup test of her looking like Princess Leia, and she looks like Princess Leia. Like, she looks exactly like Carrie Fisher. It's pretty eerie. But she looks perfect, so I hope if they decide to use, like, a a more teenage Leia, that she, she would be their first pick. Um, Hayden Christensen returning as Anakin slash Darth Maul. And, man, I, I know everybody took issue with Hayden Christensen in episodes two and three. Not so much as him as a kid. Because, you know, he was fine as, as a kid actor. I know that wasn't him, but as a kid actor, I thought he was great. But when you see him as... Anakin in episodes two and three, everybody's a little annoyed by his acting, and I don't really fault him. I definitely fault the scriptwriter because reasons. But I really did enjoy him as Vader, and I know my friends are sick to death of hearing me say it, but I feel like Anakin or um, Hayden Christensen playing Darth in Obi Wan is the most terrifying we've ever seen of Darth Vader. Episode two in particular hit me a certain type of way because I'm as okay. I can't sit here and say I've been part of the Star Wars fandom since the jump. That would be a lie. Plus, th- three of the movies were made before I was born. But I've watched all the movies in succession of timeline order, like one through nine, and plugged in Rogue One, Mandalorian, and uh, Solo, all in the places where they needed to be. So I've seen the series one time all the way through within the last two years. And I've always understand why Darth Vader is so renowned and feared, but I did, he didn't really do much that invoked fear. I just understood in the storyline, he is the big bad. Episode two proved that to me that why no one fucks with him, you know, why everybody falls the fuck back when it comes to dealing with him. And that is simply because a man was getting force choked by Vader, his kid came out of his house to try and defend his dad. And without a flinch, Vader snapped this child's neck. I was like, holy shit, this man is terrifying. Like the kid just ran out screaming, Papa, not I'll kill you or I'll get you Vader. No, he only said was Papa and snapped his neck. I was like, oh my God, he is scary. This is fucking terrifying. Now I see the threat. Now I feel like the threat is real. Because I've actually seen Vader kill an innocent kid merely for being there. That's scary. That is so, so scary. So I felt like the threat was real. And 
with that, I still do have a little nitpicks here and there of the series. I'm not going to go and analyze every single episode, but with that being said, we just saw how scary Vader was in episode two, yet in episode five, he stabs Riva, the third sister, knowing that he didn't kill her. So it's like, but why? You had no problem killing an innocent child, but you're going to let Riva, I, I don't know, suffer? I guess maybe he feel like he, she would bleed to death. Which she doesn't. She survives. She goes on to try to find out, to hunt down Luke. Tries to kill him for some kind of revenge purpose. Because he's kind of the chosen one. I don't know if Reva fully understood that that was Darth Vader's son. But she she d- tries to plot out this revenge thing and doesn't happen. She doesn't kill him, obviously. And Luke is spared. And... Obi-Wan kind of confronts her afterwards and you kind of do, I, you, I really do feel bad for her because again, she was spared while all the other young ones weren't. She's, she's of a dying breed and now she doesn't know what to do. And Obi-Wan can only do the very cowboy thing of just telling her, lead your own path. He doesn't offer her to go with him or anything. She, cause I guess he's done. He's not having any more disciples. He's over this. So, you know, he rides off into the sunset and holy shit, can we not get excited of that cameo of Qui-Gon Jinn at the end? God damn, that was awesome. Like, of course, the series was going to end on a huge note, but I wasn't expecting Qui-Gon. I expected somebody. But of course, because he's already dead by the events of, of Obi-Wan, I didn't expect to see him. But yet here he was in the not so flesh. Fucking awesome. So yeah, overall, I really like this series. From what I was told, we are going to possibly get renewed for a season two. I hope we do because that was awesome. That was really, really cool. So if you haven't already, like I said, if you didn't want it spoiled for you, too bad. I just spoiled the series for you. But if you want, obviously go and check out Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. All six episodes are streaming right now. So from that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump over to a movie that it's problematic and we all knew it was. And that is Fantastic Beasts Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, I'm going to this is the only spoiler free part I'm going to talk about. And then we're going to jump into spoilers. First and foremost, this is not a good movie. Um, Man, there's problems. Um, And funny enough, not where you think it is. Like the recasting of Johnny Depp with Mads Mikkelsen. I'm not mad at this because I love Mads, you know, especially from his Hannibal days. I think he is the perfect face uh, to be terrified yet aroused by. And I mean that in every sense of the word. So I don't hate that. I mean, yeah, I don't like that Johnny Depp was recasted. But at the same time, I, you know, if you had to, Mads is not a bad replacement. And again, I see how he's threatening. I see how he's... There's something about him that's charismatic, that's passionate. And I feel like those are some plugged in pieces that Johnny Depp didn't give. And that's not to, I'm not trying to knock his performance in any way. I'm not trying to disregard Johnny Depp in any sense when I say that. I'm just saying that certain actors bring a certain je ne sais quoi. And it's not that Johnny didn't play a good, a good Grindelwald. I just think Mads brought something that seemed a little more menacing. And I see that more in his facial features than his acting. So that, I mean, that also does rub me a certain type of way because now, technically speaking, we've seen three actors portray Grindelwald. 
like in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, it was Colin Farrell for the most part of the movie. And Johnny Depp makes about a two minute cameo or less in the first movie. So technically, we've been watching Colin Farrell this entire time. And granted, yes, it's the same person. He was just in a disguise. But you can't sit there and tell me Colin Farrell's acting the entire movie is exactly the same to what Johnny Depp would have done. It, it To me, it doesn't make it doesn't add up. So I really think I am looking at two different people playing the character. Then when we get to Fantastic, Pe- Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald, we see Johnny Depp full front and center as a character that honestly I feel J.K. Rowling modeled after Charles Manson because that's his whole thing. He doesn't necessarily get his hands dirty. He has his followers do it. Because truth be told, you don't really see Grindelwald kill anybody. The same way Charles Manson never killed anybody. He had his family do it. And that's exactly how I kind of see it. So with that being said, I don't, you know, you get Johnny Depp the entire movie as Grindelwald. And now for Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, it's Mads McKelson the whole way through. Considering that... This is supposed to be a five book, air quotes, five book series. This is the third movie based off of the air quote, third book. I think for the last two movies, they should continue to cast different actors as Grindelwald. That he's just a chameleon that keeps changing his appearance every movie. And I know that to some people that may come off as, oh, well, now they can't lock down one actor to play it. No, not, it's not that at all. It's just you've changed his image three times in these movies and I get it one was technically still him it was still Johnny Depp just under a guise I again it's still three actors playing one character in three movies like and basically one character one actor per movie I say keep that train going everybody else can stay the same so that being said like I said out of all three Fantastic Beasts movies that are out thus far Secrets of Dumbledore is absolutely the weakest. It's pretty much scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I know this movie was also terrible, not just because of the kind of last minute recasting, but also because of JK's outspoken remarks against trans or the fact that she supports anti-trans organizations. And actors in this movie definitely didn't want any involvement because of that. So... This is, from here on out, we're going to start jumping into spoiler territory for this movie. If you haven't seen um, Secrets of Dumbledore, you can go ahead and skip this part of, of this conversation. Um, so I, I would highly recommend that you pause it and go ahead and watch it. It's now streaming on HBO Max. If you either don't care or you've already seen it, so you want to hear me talk about it, then we'll go, we'll go this way going forward. But that was your spoiler warning. So that being said, I feel like characters like Catherine Watterson, who plays Tina Goldstein, and Alison Sudol, who plays Queenie Goldstein, put in the most bare bones of a performance. As a matter of fact, I will argue that Catherine Watterson, who plays Tina Goldstein, didn't want to be in the movie at all, but was contractually obligated to because she's one of the main characters. Because I found it unbelievably dumb that... Newt, Jacob, um, Newt's brother Theseus, this new girl named Lolly, who I don't understand her purpose, and um, and um, Newt's caretaker, animal caretaker Bunty, 
which clearly feels like a stand-in for Tina, are all on the secret mission, and even Jacob asks point-blank, hey, where's Tina? And Newt says, oh, she couldn't be here. And that made me so frustrated because I'm like, this mission is to go out and kind of, and stop Grindelwald, and to some degree, because Jacob is now involved, Jacob wants to bring Queenie back. So it's like, Tina is Queenie's sister. Why would you not be involved in a mission to get your sister back? That makes zero sense. And they tried to cover it up with now she's in a higher spot in the ministry in Makusa, which is the American or the United States Aura Association. And it makes no sense that she wouldn't be there to go get her sister from a dangerous cult. And, the, and I think another problem with why this movie failed is it's very political. This movie is all about capturing this one creature who will determine the outcome of an election. And Grindelwald, being the sleazy man he is, rigged the election so that his past crimes were expunged so he could run. Tell me that's not an allegory for Donald Trump. So I think with all that in mind, that's why this movie didn't do well. Now, it also... It, I'm trying to find good things to say about this movie, but it's really not that good. Like, a lot of the built-up tension makes no sense. Like, there's a scene where Bunty um, makes a comment about how she has to go get Newt's um, animal suitcase or his creature suitcase duplicated because it's going to hide the creature that's going to help win the election. And she makes a comment to the guy who's duplicating the, the luggage of like, oh, my uh, my husband, referring to Newt, constantly forgets he's married to me. And I can see it in my mind that that line was meant for Tina. Because Bunty was not supposed to be in it. It was Tina. I can guarantee that was meant for Tina. I guarantee that this was probably going to have a different ending than it did. Like, I get it that at the end of the movie, massive spoiler, Queenie and Jacob do finally get married. And I feel like this could have been the redemption for Tina and Newt now that Lita Lestrange is dead. Lita's also a footnote in this movie when she sacrificed her life at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald to save everybody else. And now it's like her death was played as a joke because nobody meant it gets mentioned once by Theseus because that was her fiance and never again. And we're just supposed to move past this. And I'm like, this is not how grief is shown. Like, this is, and all, all in all, I before I, I go too far and delve into this, all of this, all these problems with this movie fall strictly under the grounds of this is why you don't write a screenplay that doesn't have time to get draft, drafts rewritten before it hits post-production. Because the problem with all the Fantastic Beast films of why it's not as well-loved or received as Harry Potter is because... JK will basically write the screenplay in January and there will be no revisions to it and then March rolls around and, and post-production starts on making the movie version. Like, these movies have came out back-to-back -back as she's written the screenplays without times for revisions or other edits. And this one is painfully obvious that they didn't go through any rewrites before it hit, before it was made into a script. So that's why there's many reasons as to why this failed. And again, between JK's outspoken things about anti-trans, between the recasting of Johnny Depp, care actors who do not want to work with JK anymore have tapped out of this. 
it's a lot. And then it's a political movie on top of it, which has very little to do with the creatures. Um, and also, I'm going to give that spoiler away. Big spoiler, yes. Ezra Miller's clearance, um, Credence Clearwater character is found out to be a Dumbledore. It is absolutely true. How is he a Dumbledore? Because Albus Dumbledore's brother, Aberforth, the same year that Albus and Grindelwald were in a relationship and he was so busy trying to create his new world order with his lover, is the time Aberforth ran away and had a relationship with some unnamed woman, we don't get her name, and she fell pregnant. And all he says was there was rumor of a child. And Dumbledore is only finding this out now in this timeline. That that child is Credence. So Credence is a Dumbledore. He is Aberforth's son. Which, again, fucks with the timeline because there is a good chance if Dumbledore is still alive in this timeline, that means Credence would have still been alive during the times of Harry Potter and he is never mentioned. And his real name is Aurelio Dumbledore. Ah, this movie, like, that was the big build-up for nearly two movies. And it feels like the payoff is lukewarm. Lukewarm and shallow. And again, that's why this movie suffered. I watched it for completionist reasons because I do love Fantastic Beasts, but they've been on the decline ever since the first one. Like, the first one could have ended the series and it would have been fine. But because JK said this is a five-movie series... We get Crimes of Grindelwald, which I would have believed, which I still stand by. I believe it was a good movie. It was just a good movie with too many storylines. Had that, had they chopped all those storylines in half, it would have been a good movie. Took Crimes of Grindelwald, literally split all the stories in two and made them two separate movies. It would have been fine. But from there, now we go, and it was, yeah, like, where to find them? Pretty good movie. Crimes of Grindelwald, okay, but bogged down by too many plot holes and too many stories. And then now with Secrets of Dumbledore, it just fell flat. It's terrible. And a lot of people have already said that this might be the movie that kills the franchise dead. And I believe they're right. Like, to try to make a fourth movie out of this, or even one to tie up the series, and just make it a four-movie series, good luck. I feel like they're going to try. They're going to try. Because this movie made money, believe it or not. It just, critics hated the shit out of it. So, we'll see what happens. Like I said, we'll see if Catherine Watterson and Alison Sudal would want to make more of an appearance in this movie. Uh, I know with, now with all the issues with Ezra Miller, that's going to be a whole other thing. So, who knows. But if you're interested in it, Crimes of... Or, Sorry, Secrets of Dumbledore is now streaming on HBO Max if you want to go and check that out for yourself. Next up, we are going to go ahead and review The Black Phone. Now, I'm going to just say this much and then jump into spoilers. This was a really, really good movie. And it's very nice to be refreshingly surprised by horror movies that come out in the summer and not just the spooky season. And I do think that that gives some movies more of an edge if they come out in the spooky season. Like Halloween Ends comes out in, in October, obviously. But Black Phone came out in the summer. It literally came out on my birthday and that's when I went to see it. And I was pleasantly surprised. I thought this movie was just going to be mediocre. No, it's really, really, really good. 
Um, it's still in theaters, obviously. I don't know when it will be coming to streaming. I don't know what streaming service it will be. I want to say Peacock because this is a universal made movie with Blumhouse. So I have a feeling that it will be released through probably Peacock or maybe even Paramount Plus because they do own some of Universal products on there. Um, I'm just going to give a quick synopsis of the movie and then we're going to jump into spoiler. So if you've seen the trailer, you already know where this is kind of going, where there are these two kids and these two kids, I want to say roughly beginning of high school or maybe end of junior high school. And they are, and it's a boy and a girl, they're brother and sister, and the boy gets kidnapped by what I'm assuming is a child predator. And he wears this incredibly terrifying mask that he he just wears just because. He's almost a little infantilized when you see him in the trailer, and he locks this child in a basement with nothing but a mattress and a phone wired to a wall that doesn't work. But somehow the phone rings one night while this kid is captive and he's able to talk to the ghosts of this man's previous victims. So that's about as far as I can go without really giving spoilers. So right now I'm putting the spoiler warning that I'm going to spoil this entire movie. If you have not seen this movie, please skip. Or if you do not care about the ending or if you've already seen it, then I'm going to go forward. That's your spoiler warning. This movie's fucking phenomenal. There, I said it. Um, I won't say it's like a perfect movie. I still give it roughly a 7.5 out of 10 in terms of good. And that also comes to the point that I also found out through my friend Spooky Dan, who I saw the movie with. Hi, Spooky. He says that he went to the premiere. So when he went to see it with me, it was the second time. But he did go to see it at the premiere with Jason Blum of Blumhouse. And he said that the person who wrote the book, or who wrote the script for this movie is Stephen King's son. And I'm like, you know what? That explains why this movie is so good. You know, writing is in this man's blood. So, again, it's the same as I told you in the synopsis, but what what's more alluding to it is, first of all, these two kids come from a very troubled home. The father's an alcoholic, the mother is dead, because the mother had visions, precognitive visions of things that were happening in her neighborhood or that she could... Almost like in a way like she could see something that could help her solve cases. But she took it as a curse and ended up committing suicide because she couldn't handle the visions anymore. And apparently it's recessive in the way that it only gets passed down to females in her family. So the daughter has this gene. I dare say I would even call it shining. Especially now that I know that this was, wrote, that this was written by Stephen King's own son himself. And according to Spooky, he looks exactly like Stephen King. So I dare say that the mother and this daughter shines. They have the shining. So on the so it's been a going so in the plot of the movie, I'm gonna kind of run through it really quickly. Kids are being kidnapped by somebody in a van who leaves black balloons at the crime scene. At the at the abduction scene. So one of the kids in particular is this Hispanic kid that's kind of a bully, but he prote- he's more like a Robin Hood type of bully in where he protects kids that can't defend themselves from bigger bullies. He's not out to just torture anybody or bully anybody. He bullies the bullies that pick on younger kids or weaker kids. And this, co- and this child does get abducted. Uh, the movie even opens on a baseball scene in which 
the, our main hero, our main hero, his name is Finney. Uh, he is playing baseball against this other team. And this one Asian kid on the opposite team really likes his throwing arm. This kid is also kidnapped by, by our villain. I already forgot the villain's name. I'm sorry, but it, he's played by Ethan Hawke. So I'm just going to say Ethan Hawke. So eventually it gets to the point where Finney gets ki- drugged and kidnapped by this, by Ethan Hawke. And he's drugged down to a basement with nothing but a mattress. It has a weird hallway to a bathroom where there's rolled up rugs and such, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and he's left in, in the captivity of this, of this, of Ethan Hawke. And we're led to believe, I think it's, and the movie never outright says it or shows it, but it's heavily implied that this man is probably a child molester. He's not just out to murder these kids. Like they, the kids never the like at some point. I know I'm I'm kind of all over the place with this review, but at some point, Finney notices a black phone on the wall in which Ethan Hawke tells him the phone does not work. However, at one point while in this kid's captivity, we don't know how long this kid's been captive. By the way, we never find out by the end of the movie how long Finney has been gone. But at some one point, the phone does ring. He picks up and he starts to hear the voices of all the victims that came before him. And each one of them leaves him clues on how to get out of the house or how to get out of the basement. And some of them leave clues that are a little cryptic. And I also found other people in the theater were getting very frustrated with the ghosts because certain things they couldn't remember. And for example, there was, there's a, one of the kids bike locks was used as a lock to keep the front door locked. So in case Finney ever got out to the, out of the basement, up the stairs and to the front door, he couldn't get out because he wouldn't know the combination. And one of the ghosts gives, tells the kid, tells Finney, oh, I know the combination, but, or I, I have the combination. It's my bike lock. I don't remember it anymore, but I wrote it on the wall. And I could hear somebody next to me in the theater kind of grumbling about it. And I'm like, well, it makes sense because these kids are ghosts. And the longer they're there as ghosts, like unres- with unresolved business, the more they forget because they're deteriorating. They're no longer here anymore. So their memory starts to haze. So that being said, a lot of the ghosts are going through that situation, but they leave him plenty of clues on how to get out. Now, part of the reason I do believe that Ethan Hawke's character is a pedophile is because there is a scene where he, Ethan Hawke leaves the door to the basement unlocked one day. And Finney thinks this is a good idea to go up those stairs and run out of the house for freedom. But before, right as he begins to open the door, the phone rings and one of the victim, one of the ghosts of the victim says, don't do that. Because if you do, he's waiting there, sitting on a chair, facing that stairway for you to come up. If he comes up, you're playing a game called Naughty Boy. And what he'll do to you is unbearable. Like, obviously he means he's going to kill him. But there is a scene where you do see him finally go up the stairs. And yes, Ethan Hawke is waiting up there shirtless in his mask with a belt over his lap. He's still wearing pants, but he's got a belt in his lap ready to do damage. He's still wearing his mask and it's terrifying. So again, in my mind, and again, I know this is left up to viewer interpretation, but in our minds, that means that this man gets some kind of sexual gratification from harming these kids or worse. So that's why I'm very heavily convinced he's a pedophile. And like I said, none of these kids ever say the word he raped us or he does sexual things with us. But you can you can fill in the blanks as a viewer yourself. And to me, 
the minute you make a character a pedophile, he's the most detestable thing on the face of the earth. So, and you know what? Massive props to Ethan Hawke for playing such a very terrifying character. So, again, this movie's really, really good. Um, I'll leave the ending ending of the movie spoiler free right now so that you gives you all a chance to check it out but I personally really enjoyed this film if there is a book on this and I know I'm bad I didn't research it yet but if there is a book based off of the black phone I would love to read it because this was an engaging movie I was very interested the jump scares are phenomenal and I think everybody really did bring something to the table like I will say Finney's little sister the clairvoyant or the or the one with the shine, was a little over the top in certain points. But there was a scene in the movie where everybody fell out just clapping and rooting and whooping for this girl. And that's a scene where Finney was getting his ass kicked by a bunch of bullies. And his little sister, no questions asked, jumped in like the G she is and started whooping ass. And you wouldn't expect a little girl to do that. Like she couldn't be older than like 10 or 12, but she jumped into this battle and started kicking ass. And because of that, Everybody in the audience roared. They loved this girl. She was great. So if you hadn't had a chance to see it, The Black Phone is out now in theaters. Like I said, I don't know what it, um, what streaming platform it'll come to once it's released on that. But guys, check it out. Like I said, if you go in knowing that Stephen King, that Stephen King's son wrote the script for this, it definitely puts it on another level of this is really good. Like, I'm definitely going to buy this on Blu-ray when it comes out because this is a really, really good movie. All right, guys, with that, we're going to take a quick break, but we will return with more from the podcast after a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, welcome back. So we are going to talk Halloween Horror Nights. Yes, guys, we have more, much more updates. Now... In my last one, I think the last maze that I talked about was Universal finally announcing that we have Legends Collide, which will be a maze that will see the mummy battling Dracula and the Wolfman. Um, As you guys have known also from my last few episodes, I am super obsessed with watching theme park YouTubers and bloggers and watching them go to Universal Studios almost twice a week to see updates of how the mazes are getting built and also super nintendo world which looks extra awesome so yes horror nights is coming together so quickly but again i also feel like that's also because and this is not an official word from anybody this is just my humblest of opinions but i feel like with last year's halloween horror nights was a test run to see you know what was the crowd capacity gonna be like how could they spatially maneuver everything for covid reasons and it was it seemed to be a success i do remember going on quite a few nights where horror nights was completely sold out now i know that might also be a capacity difference now because we're kind of calming down on covid so we could probably have a higher capacity than what we did or maybe that was actual capacity i'm actually not 100 percent sure but regardless of it it was a phenomenal success even for being a little bit more scaled down than it usually is. So with that being said, I really feel like Universal is going much bigger and much better this year. And with that being said, they've now officially confirmed two more mazes for Halloween Horror Nights. They've released trailers for them. It's available to check out on Halloween Horror Nights Instagram or their uh, Twitter. And 
one of the mazes they had released was we are getting 1978's Halloween back again for another year. And I personally love it. Out of all the Titans of Terror, Michael Myers is unanimously my favorite. I do have one tiny twinge on this, though. And that is, I feel like it was a missed opportunity for them to not use Halloween Ends as a maze. Uh, in the past, Universal has done mazes for horror movies that weren't yet released. One of my personal favorites was Crimson Peak, in which that movie didn't come out until after Horror Nights had already opened, like a good solid two weeks after the fact. So the maze was open for this movie that wasn't released yet. And it was really cool. Granted, nobody knew the story. I mean, even I didn't. And I actually went to go see it as a work in progress. But that was also about a week before the movie was going to be released anyway. But still, the visuals for that maze is chef's kiss amazing. So I have seen photos of the facade that they've been making, which is Michael Myers' house. Um, the house still exists today in Pasadena. But like I said, now that Universal and Blumhouse, I don't know, Blumhouse is owned by Universal or they just partner together, kind of like a Disney Pixar situation. But regardless, Universal owns the rights to the newest Halloween franchise, which is Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. So it's like, why not use Halloween Ends? That's the whole point. But the ad and the trailer for this maze specifically does say it's the original Halloween from 1978, which is not bad because like I said, it's one of my personal favorites. I just feel like it's a missed opportunity on their end. So from there, they've just recently, on my birthday actually, announced a new Halloween Horror Nights maze, which is going to be called, speaking of Blumhouse, it's called Blumhouse Double Feature, which will feature the movie The Black Phone, as we talked about earlier, and Freaky. Now, I, at this point, have still not watched Freaky. I will get to it. I'll probably review it in my next episode. But I have seen Black Phone, and you already know my thoughts on it. I really, really enjoyed this film. So, personally, I think that the Black Phone segment is going to be awesome. I'm hoping, again, because I haven't seen Freaky, so I'm not inclined to judge it, but I really, really hope it's majorly Black Phone. Um, and given the circumstances of the movie, I've, I'm challenging myself to see how this works, because there's only really two settings in the movie. So I want to see how they're going to make that work in the setting of a maze. Now, granted, it can be similar to how they did Exorcist, because the entire exorcist maze pretty much only existed in Regan's bedroom. And it was you just going through her room multiple times and just seeing her progression from little, sweet little girl to demonic. So it could be something akin to that. I feel like that's going to be very, very cool uh, if they get it right, which Universal usually does. So this is going to be incredibly exciting. Even if you go and check out Universal Studios Hollywood Halloween Horror Nights, the tickets are already on sale, guys. Like, all tickets are already on sale. Even for people like me who want to get the Frequent Fear Pass, it's already available. So, tickets for multiple days. If you want to do the early entry for 2 p.m. to go enjoy the park first and then go to Horror Nights, that's available too. And, of course, the RIP Tour. 
And guys, I'm so surprised that they made tickets available so soon. Like, like I said, they're ready to get spooky right the fuck now. They're kicking this off so quickly. And again, I can't stress enough how much that makes me happy. I'm elated that we're getting Halloween Horror Nights. Like, just, we're getting it ready now. Um, And in terms of other speculation mazes, there's been quite a few. I'm still hearing hearsay and talks here and there. But one that's still unconfirmed by Universal, but the fans already know what it is is we are to be getting La Llorona back, which you've heard me discuss at length in previous episodes. It was a rumored maze, and now that we're seeing a little bit of the facade finished, we all know it's La Llorona, which is a maze that I thought was actually terrifying. Because, of of course, I grew up with this with this legend of this of the Weeping Woman. So, again, unconfirmed by Universal, but the fans already know. So there's that one. There was also a rumor that we would be getting killer clowns from outer space, again, um, placed behind the mummy ride. Now, I, again, I'm not at liberty to speak because I really don't know. Again, this is just speculation. My uh, my sources haven't said anything yet, and that's fine too. So it's unconfirmed on what that maze could be that's back there uh there's also the maze that is in the curious george lot which is going to be across from the halloween maze as beautiful as it is nobody knows yet people have already started to make rumors about it maybe being an original maze some people said it could be uh scarecrow somebody rumored stranger things but i doubt it so again no real confirmation on that yet as well and lastly this is again unconfirmed but the fans already figured it out is the stop on the studio tour when you pass by what used to be the log cabin, but is now um, has a, a whole western town that has taken over where the log cabin used to be that sits right in front of the giant blue screen. This western town is from Jordan Peele's latest film called Nope, which will be out on July 22nd. And me, even me personally who's seen the trailer for Nope, sees the similarities immediately down to the color palette the archway of the welcoming sign into the town is exactly the same that's the same color same shape so yes people have already figured out that it's nope and the trailer kind of already gives away what it is i guess it's all a matter of seeing the film and it's aliens it's it's very easy to figure out that it's aliens even right down to when i talked about the poster uh for this movie in previous episodes it already, it was already painfully obvious what it was. And I'm still invested. I'm planning on seeing this maybe while I'm down in San Diego Comic-Con because it happens to be coming out like the weekend of. So there's a potential that I could see it then. But yeah, guys, I think that's going to take care of all the current Halloween Horror Nights news. That's quite a bit, (laughs) as you all can see. And I'm excited. Like I said, John Murdy has already expressed that there is going to be eight mazes for sure, one live show, and we are getting the Terra Tram back. So I am kind of curious as to a couple of things he said, which one of them was he confirmed that we're getting Hollywood Harry from Horror Nights this year, but at the same time, we're getting the town from from Nope. So, I mean, if Nope is going to be the Terra Tram, that's fine by me. But is it Nope or is it Hollywood Harry? I highly doubt it's both. So that's still unconfirmed yet. But the weekend after 
San Diego Comic-Con is Midsummer Scream. That is usually where John Murdy does have a Halloween Horror Nights panel where he talks openly about this. And we're going to finally get to probably at that point confirmation of all mazes. So I personally think they don't need to do any more trailers for any new mazes anymore up until this point since we're about a month away from Midsummer Scream where he's going to announce it all anyway. We're going to get photo. We every, and the wow words. In the previous years where I went to Midsummer Scream, he does have a panel where he does show off a lot of the conception art and co- or con- conception concept art. Me and words today. Concept art for the stilt walkers, the scare actors, and of course reveals all the upcoming mazes live shows and tarot tram so it does leave you i wish that they leave it alone at this point because if there's eight mazes three have already been fully confirmed two more or less that we're that fans have speculated and one of them is already right so leave us something to leave us wanting more you know don't like don't say anything else up until that point let us go to midsummer scream let us be surprised And of course, usually after these panels, they let the fans come up and have questions. And of course, my biggest question is the one I think everybody else wants is any of the original music from some of these mazes, will it ever become available? Because your girl really likes the music from last year's Bride of Frankenstein's Lives. And I know that music was by Slash. Can you guys work something out so that that music can become available? Because it's so good i don't care if it's on youtube or spotify whatever the case is put it out in the universe because fans like me want it it's so good so that being said guys i hope this whets your appetite a little bit for halloween horror nights gets you super pumped super excited because what can i say we we are ready if you are like me and you live spooky 24 7 365 you're invested Halloween Horror Night starts September September 8th and goes all the way through to Halloween night. Tickets for are completely available for standard VIP tour express. Even frequent fear passes are already available now. If I were you, I would jump on it and start getting your tickets today. Okay, guys, so this is the creme de la creme of this podcast tonight. We gotta talk about Stranger Things 4 Part 2. And the two episodes that were basically the equivalent of a movie, episode eight, which was called Papa, and episode nine, which was called Piggyback. And first of all, yes, at this point, Stranger Things 4 has been cemented as my favorite season because of all the liberties and risks it took, and it all, and I mean all, paid off. But damn, Everybody who's watched it thus far, who has watched Stranger Things 4 Part 2, you are probably pretty floored at what all had happened. So I'm just going to say that right now. I thoroughly enjoyed this season. This is a phenomenal season. Anybody who hasn't gotten up to speed, shame on you. You have to catch up with Stranger Things. But that being said, we are going to go into all spoilers for Stranger Things 4 Part 1 and 2. So, and this is a very huge thing. It just, the episodes just premiered just in the last 24 hours on Netflix. If you haven't seen them, it's a four-hour binge because episode eight, Papa, is an hour and a half long. Episode two, Piggyback, or episode nine, called Piggyback, is two and a half hours. So all in all, that totals up to a four-hour binge. 
of two episodes. Like the second ep- or the second episode in part two is essentially a movie. So if you have not caught up fully on these two episodes, I highly suggest that you skip this part of the podcast. That is an absolute spoiler warning from here on out. So with that being said, your girl 100% did marathon these at midnight when they came out. So I was up till four in the morning. Yes, I know I didn't have to, but I did and stayed up till four in the morning to watch these episodes. And dear God, that was intense. Oh my God. Now, there's so much to go through and I really feel like I can't go through every single piece, but of course, let's start off with what the one thing that broke just about everybody. This scene had me pausing the episode and pacing around my room, screaming at the top of my lungs at three in the morning because I was not ready for that gut punch. And of course, I am talking about our the death of our boy, Eddie Munson. Oh, man. What a G. We like I predicted in a couple of episodes back that he was going to he was had the possibility of dying. I just didn't think that they were going to take him from us so soon. And sure enough, you know. But man, can we can we give a word up to Eddie Munson our hero cuz he was so boss. Especially after he had that wicked guitar solo in the Upside Down to Metallica's Master of Puppets absolute chef's kiss we all kind of predicted i've seen the fan art of it that everybody thought he was going to play that guitar in the upside down and man did you guys call it he looked so badass it looked like the cover of a dio album it was so good but yeah in the end he got got by the upside down bats and truthfully if someone were to read eddie munson's obituary it would read that he was killed in another dimension by demon bats. That's pretty metal, you have to admit. That's seriously metal. But man, did that have to come with a gut punch side by side with us losing Max. And I'm going to put a little asterisk next to her name on that because in terms of just straightforward what happens there, Vecna killed Max. And I... Again, I kind of predicted that her death was going to come, but at the same time, it was like, oh, maybe, maybe she'll find a way to survive, but it was all circumstance. Lucas couldn't get to her Walkman in time to get, to give her the Kate Bush injection she needed. His idiot jock friend showed up and wanted to fight him because he thought he was part of the illustrious satanic, air quotes, hellfire club cult. And I, what was this kid's name? Josh. He gets got, by the way. So fuck him. But Lucas couldn't get to the, the Walkman in time. Josh destroyed it. So it really did hurt all of Max's chances of survival. And Elle couldn't get to her fast enough because it was a whole thing. And the I'm going to be honest, the minute I saw the first limb on Sam's, on, on Max snap, I knew it was over. I, this was the beginning of the end. She's not going to make it. And just, man, the romance between her and Lucas, like they're finally reconnecting again. We're getting that feeling like it's going to work. And then this happens. And and I'm going to be honest with you guys, like she's dead. Um, I think we're all kind of hoping on that one glimmer that she's just in a coma, that Elle may have 
giving her that extra little inch of life. But at the end of the day, it was the four souls that Vecna needed to collect in order to open his portal to our world. And uh, like, I, I do want to make the argument of something similar happening in the, re- in the 2013 reboot of Evil Dead, where it kind of happened similarly. Granted, different different terminology because that was with the necronomicon this is with other dimensions instead so i can see how it doesn't work but in a way going back to evil dead where five souls needed to be collected and one of them was brought back to life after death so technically it counts i'm kind of leaning that that's similar with max but in truth i think she is living on l's borrowed time so even at the end of all this, when Vec- the Vecna, the big bad, is finally destroyed and killed, I still think Max is going with. I don't think we're getting Max back, especially when she was in Lucas's arms. You could see all her limbs were broken. Her eyes were milky. I'm assuming she, at this point she's blind. I don't think there's much left for Max at this point. I think this is the end of our girl. So that was rough. I genuinely cried. Like I, like I said, I, the minute her first limb snapped, she wasn't even dead yet. When her first limb snapped, I paused, I paced the room, I was crying. I was like, look, we just lost Eddie not five seconds before all this happened. And now this shit, devastated, absolutely devastated. But yeah, that, I think that was the gut punch for everybody. You know, like that was just too much of a pill to handle at once. So if you sit in here and you don't hear that one meme of that Asian guy saying emotional damage, you're wrong. You're dead fucking wrong because your girl was devastated. Everybody that I know that has watched all the full season four at this point, they're devastated. Everybody's feeling some type of way. And it's it's incredible. So that being said, the rest of our heroes pulled through quite well. Um, we got a little bit more closure about Will's situation with coming to terms with his sexuality. And honestly, when he finally does give Mike the painting, and I'm glad we do get the reveal of the painting. And I love that he said that it was a commission from Elle. It's so sweet. And then you just see him turn away from Mike to cry. And it's just like, oh man, somebody hug this baby. That's so... It it hit me right in the feels. I almost cried then too. Just, I love this. And then later on, as they're getting the freezer ready for Elle with the water and the salt, and you just see Will and Jonathan have this heart to heart. And damn it, it's it's so sweet. It's so nice to see. And it just, again, it hits me right in the feels. Like it's a conversation that didn't need to happen, but understand homosexuality in the 80s was so frowned upon because there was talks of eight of the AIDS epidemic nobody knew how you could contract it if it, how contagious it was and again um our girl Robin said it in the beginning of season four of you know it's a small town idiots talk and if you were to ever come out it's a whole thing so for Will I get it it's such a scary thing because people back in the 80s didn't know any better and to come out as gay is a whole thing. So oh, that heart to heart with Jonathan just because I think Jonathan knows like he clearly saw Will crying in the car and trying not to let anybody else see it like he knows. And even though it was a conversation that they didn't have to have, I'm glad it did. And it was just so amazing. 
That being said, can we talk about the big badass scene with Murray and Hopper and Joyce in Russia handling the Demogorgons and the Demodogs with the flamethrower? And then it coincides with with Nancy and Steve and Robin going balls to the wall against Vecna in the Upside Down. Damn, that was solid. That was so cool. Like, I, I could sing the praises of this forever. I I easily could. But I just wanted to get the cliff notes out and just praise this season because it didn't have to go this hard and it did. And I know that it couldn't end on exactly this note. Now, obviously, if you've watched um, the last two episodes and made that four-hour binge, you clearly know this is not where the series is ending. We are getting a season five the Duffers have confirmed we're getting a season five, and I'm stoked. There hasn't been word said yet on when this is going to happen. They probably already started filming as far as we know. They're probably in past probably post-production, but I'm, I'm so excited. Like, this is going to be incredible. It didn't have to be, and it is, and... Guys, I'm I'm running out of words because I'm still sitting on the hype of all this of just, I can't believe we went that far. Now, if there's any real nitpicks I have about this season, and my biggest one, and it's the same one I've kind of had since season four, part one, was where is eight? Where is our girl eight? Because we haven't seen her since Stranger Things 2. And I know that in some way, shape, or form, Elle has a way to contact her. Because if this is the case, we need her to help fight Vecna in Season 5. Even if, and again, this is not an insider tip. I don't know anything more than anybody else. This is just my hypothesis, my opinion, my thoughts on it from this point out. Is even if they only brought 8 back, 8 slash Callie, if they only brought her back just to help fight and then she dies, that's fine. But acknowledge that because she is one of the last surviving kids of that experiment with Papa or Brenner. So we need to know where she is, if she can come and help to this fight. And I think she can. Even if she brings the whole gang, that even helps too. Because our group could use all the help they can get. But that was my only real nitpick is when are they going to mention that 8 exists and they could use her help? So that's pretty much it for you guys. I know that I could I can technically go on and on and on and on about season four, but easily it's a it's a nine and three quarters out of ten. Like I said, my only complaint is no acknowledgement of eight. Other than that, this is a seriously flawless season. Just for the gut punch alone that it gives you. The action's incredible, the comedy's incredible, the the connection with the kids is so amazing. And just word up to these guys, because Duffer Brothers, you did a phenomenal job. This season is fantastic. Cannot wait to hear updates for season five. All right, and from there, we're going to move on to another review. Yeah, this episode is basically reviews and trailers. So I finally got around to watching Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness on Disney+. Plus. Yes, guys, it is now officially streaming on Disney+. Plus. No need for premiere access. If you have Disney+, Plus you already have it. So I finally decided to sit down and do this. 
And I want to kind of give a little bit of a disclaimer about that is because I've been going through a really bad Marvel fatigue. Um, because between Iron Man 1 or The Hulk, whichever one you want to claim, really kicked off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. From there all the way to Endgame, I have been non-stop with the Avenger movies, with all things MCU. I have been in it, obsessed with it. I went the whole nine. And by the time I got to Endgame, I realized I'm now starting to suffer burnout because I've been so invested in this fandom that it really took me out of it a bit. Now, don't get me wrong, I still came back to enjoy WandaVision, Falcon versus Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki. And by the time I got to Loki, I wasn't as in love with it anymore. So I'm behind on certain shows currently. Like, I have not seen any of Miss Marvel, I have not seen any of Moon Knight, and I have not seen Hawkeye. So those are shows I'm behind on, and also that also correlates to all the corresponding MCU movies after Endgame. So that being said, I have not seen Spider-Man uh, Far From Home and No Way Home. I have not seen Shang-Chi. I have not seen Eternals. I have not seen Black Widow. So yes, I'm behind and I have a lot of the catch-up game to do. So finally, because... And of, of course, the two Spider-Mans I'm behind in are not on Disney Plus as of yet. So I have catching up to do on that as well. So from there, I wanted to go, okay, you know, let me find a good sit-down point where I can finally start enjoying these movies again the way I used to. So that being said, I decided to start with Doctor Strange. Granted, it's the most recent, so I'm cheating, but as far as I'm concerned, you only really need knowledge of Doctor Strange, Endgame, and WandaVision to be up to speed. Which, for me, it doesn't matter because I'm everything up to Endgame, I'm already well aware of and caught up with. So... Then I was ready to go. And personally, I loved this. I personally really did love Doctor Strange. And man, when they said that this was basically the horror movie of the MCU, they're not lying. This has such a horror movie element. And it's, I won't even get into too many spoilers. There will be spoilers from here on out. But I really did enjoy this movie. I really did like it. It's a very solid 9 out of 10 for me. But we're going to get into a little bit of spoilers. I'm not going to go too heavy on this. Because by this point, I'm sure a lot of you have already seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So for me, it was... It's pulling really hard to try to pull sympathy for Wanda. But at the same time, understanding that she is corrupted by the Scarlet Witch and the Darkhold to want so badly to create to have a in an alternate universe where her sons still ex her sons exist now granted her sons were made of magic and not actually there not actually humanly created through fornication and what have you but in her mind they're real and she's so blinded by what everything that was taken from her and yes it is really sad for her but again she enslaved a whole town to make herself the perfect life. And one thing I always, I found very tragic was even when she found this dimension with her as just Wanda, not the Scarlet Witch, living happily with her two boys, even in that dimension, Vision was not there. As a matter of fact, Vision's actually very briefly mentioned in the movie at all. 
So, I mean, it's kind of sad that the man you loved so much, even in alternate realities, is not there. And, again, it could just be her grief speaking, whichever the case may be. And, wow. I mean, like I said, there's a lot to unpack with this movie. And it's actually got a pretty decent runtime of two hours. And it uses the time wisely because it would, it's easily one of those movies where it could have suffered from being even a half an hour longer. Even 20 minutes longer could have really hurt the enjoyment of this film. But because it ended where it did, it ends smoothly. And obviously, even as I was talking about Evil Dead a little earlier, Sam Raimi directed this film, so clearly Bruce Campbell's in it as well. And there's Evil Dead references, which, hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, it, it takes such an interesting concept in seeing all these different alternate realities. 838 is like the number that keeps getting thrown around the most. And seeing that universe is Illuminati, which is crazy. And truthfully, I loved that it was Charles Xavier from X-Men. It was, I, I'm terrible. I don't remember the name of the superhero with the tuning fork to his forehead, but he was cool. His death is wild to me. Holy shit. We got to get to also get to see this universe's Captain Marvel, which she looked a lot. I don't know the actress, but she looked a lot like Riva from Obi-Wan Kenobi, the third sister. And then my favorite had to be Peggy is that universe's Captain America. Now, granted, I know they talked about that briefly in What If, but man, it was so cool to see her. And man, she was just done so dirty by Scarlet Witch. Just so, so dirty. But yeah, like, also, I think, aside from obviously uh, Infinity War because of the snap, but this has to be one of the highest body counts on screen for deaths in, in an MCU movie because, or at least the most gruesome, if not the highest, because it was just so dark. It's just so incredibly dark. And again, if you're like a goth kid and you're into the MCU this is probably going to be one of your top favorites because of how dark and gruesome this is. So, yeah, like I said, I, I've gone into a few spoilers. Obviously, I'm not going to spoil how it ends because, again, this movie's already been out for a while. You can take it upon yourself to go check it out. Like I said, if you have Disney+, Plus, it's not a premiere access. You don't need premiere access. It's already streaming on Disney+, Plus. if you have it right now. I highly recommend it. It's a very solid movie. Go and check it out. All right, guys, and now we're going to go on to our next topic. We got trailers to talk about, and I mean a fucking lot of trailers. So let's start off with the biggest one. Hocus Pocus has released a new trailer. And if you're not excited for it, what planet are you living on? Because damn. So it doesn't say much. It does shows two girls that are out to light the black flame candle and shenanigans happen and the three witches of Winifred, Sarah, and Mary are back. So yes, guys, the Sanderson sisters are back and truthfully, I'm excited. Don't sit here and tell me that you're not because everybody has been looking forward to this movie for quite some time. So, man, I... I just, I don't know what to say past that. Um, we do get to see a brief image of a black cat, which, is it Binks? It shouldn't be because Binks should have been freed at this point. But yeah, it. I'm excited. 
And um, so as of right now, the initial release date is going to be September 30th, 2022. So we will have it this year. No word if it's going to go direct to Disney Plus or if we're going to have it on in theaters beforehand and then it you know it migrates to disney plus but we will see about that so i will definitely keep my eyes peeled for anything new but as far as right now it was just that released trailer and we'll see what happens in in september next is we're going to talk about the new kind of seriously terrifying trailer for american horror stories season 11 um, not too much has been said other than we're going to get the next season in July. No solid date past that. Um, no real clue of what we're going to be looking forward to outside of, we have an article from Goldberry. Uh, if you want, if you're interested in it, you can check it out at gold, at goldderby.com. That's G-O-L-D-D-E-R-B-Y.com. So, their article reads as follows. In January 2020, FX made the bold decision to renew American Horror Story for three more installments, season 11, season 12, and season 13. That ensures its flagship horror anthology series, created by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, will be on our TV screens throughout, the last, throughout at least the year of 2024. Scary good. After the 10th season, otherwise known as American Horror Story Double Feature, was delayed for an entire year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Hollywood productions have now somewhat returned to normalcy, which means we will likely get to see the next cycle of AHS in fall of 2022. Here's everything to know about American Horror Story Season 11. Theme, cast, release date, etc. So, American Horror Story Season 11 theme. FX chairman John Land. Landgraf told the warp or told the rap in February that the 11th installment of the Emmy winning series will not be another double feature like season 10, which was split in two parts titled Red Tide and Death Valley. Quote, what I can tell you is that the concept for season 11 is one story, end quote. He confirmed, quote, it actually takes place in a different timeline, but this one is subject is one subject, one story, with a beginning, middle, and end, like any other prior stories, end quote. Landgraf reimagined tight-lipped about, remained tight-lipped about the theme of the upcoming cycle, only saying, I actually really like this idea, too. I think it's really cool. If history is any indication, Ryan Murphy will be the one to break the news of the fresh plot at a time and place of his own choosing. So there is more to the article, but if you would like to know more about it, like I said, go and check out goldderby.com. So not too much is being said about it. However, we are going to be getting a side sequel series, similar to how we have American Horror Stories, which was each episode was its own collective side story. Now we also have another one coming out, again, just titled American Horror Stories. And the trailer for this is terrifying. If you haven't had a chance, go and check it out. But it just shows a dollhouse and surgery and these girls that look like mannequins. It's quite unnerving. But other than that, there's no word on what's actually going on. Other than you're seeing these dollhouses and these life-size mannequins doing surgeries or doing their makeup. And it's 
disturbing. Like, I definitely don't recommend watching that trailer before you go to bed tonight because you will not be sleeping. So, yeah, go ahead, YouTube those, check them out because it's pretty eerie. Now, this one isn't so much of a trailer as it is to a nod for another amazing movie based off of a book by Stephen King. And that is a simple photo of five people standing in front of a sign that welcomes you into a town called Salem's Lot. Yeah, it looks like we're going to be getting another Salem's Lot remake or a Salem's Lot remake based off of the movie that came out in the 80s. Now, like I said, this isn't a trailer. It is just merely a photo that that someone posted online and it's coming. That's pretty much all I can say about it is that it's coming. Also, not a trailer, but just a heads up that if you are planning on going to Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California, if you have tickets to go on Sunday, July 31st, there is going to be a special advanced screening of the teaser trailer for Spirit Halloween the movie. I myself will not be going that day, but I think it's really cool that they're going to be releasing that trailer. And yes, we are talking about a Halloween horror movie based off of the Spirit Halloween store. Try and tell me that's not super cool. So we've got those out of the way. We're still not done. We've had releases for trailers for What We Do in the Shadows that will be coming out on July 21st, also from FX, the same channel that is also going to be giving us American Horror Story Season 11 and American Horror Stories, which, by the way, if you do not have FX the channel from your cable subscriber, do not worry, it is on Hulu. So if you're like me and you do not have cable, that's okay. FX is also on Hulu. And all of these will be streaming next day, whether you are into American Horror Story, American Horror Stories, or what we do in the shadows. And the new trailer looks hilarious. Like you already know, guys, I am a huge what we do in the shadows fan. And from what I've seen of this trailer, it's it's about as bonkers as you expect it to be. And I feel like they say so much and I'm ready to see what exactly happened to my boy Guillermo, what's going on with Nandor, Laszlo, and is Naja still queen bitch? Because reasons. So that'll be coming out July 21st. And lastly, we got to talk, not trailers necessarily, but again, a photo that Disney has finally released and they will be making announcement of it at D23 of... Tiana finally taking over the Splash Mountain ride at both Disneyland and Disney World and it will now be, be it will now become Tiana's Bayou Adventure it will be opening in late 2024. Now Disney now Disneyland official and Disney D23 on Disneyland D23's Instagram all released a concept art photo of what we can expect the ride to look like. And it's Tiana in a safari getup with Naveen. They're in a boat together in the bayou and you can see uh, the log flumes in the background occupied by guests watching her go on her journey. And an official quote from Disneyland D23's Instagram, as they posted this just today, just announced, strike up the band because Tiana's Bayou Adventure is coming to the Magic Kingdom in Florida and Disneyland Park in California in late 2024. Click the link in our story to learn more about this attraction's transformation and stay tuned as we reveal more from 
hashtag from account essence fest in new orleans so guys this is huge it's finally happening after they've announced it almost two years ago we're finally gonna see tiana take over splash mountain and i know some of the some of you out there are huge splash mountain fans and i was to some degree till i realized the story as a teenager about it being based on song of the south a movie that disney does not want to talk about so it's nice to get positive black representation on this ride so that does mean probably by the end of this year get your chance to go back on splash mountain because once it's gone it's gone oh wait i still have two more we still have to talk about are you afraid of the dark coming back to nickelodeon on july 30th yes if you were a millennial kid like myself who grew up on shows on Nickelodeon of the 90s, Are You Afraid of the Dark was probably one of the ones who molded you into the little weirdo you are today. I am proud to say that I became a weirdo because of Are You Afraid of the Dark. And I'm also partially because I just recently got Paramount Plus and almost every good Nickelodeon show is on there now, including Legends of the Hidden Temple, Guts, and of course, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, you can sit there and be like, oh, well, I want to watch Rugrats or Rocco's Modern Life or Doug or Hey Arnold. And I'm like, oh, they're all there. But tell me somewhere where you knew that they had the shows that you, the live action shows that you know are harder to find. So, yes, Guts, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Double Dare, Double Dare 2000, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Well, coming July 30th, 2022, there will be a new season or limited release series of it called Are You Afraid of the Dark Ghost Island? And you have to check out the trailer. It is available on YouTube. You can also check it out through Bloody Disgusting. And it looks good, guys. I mean, I don't really remember a time where Are You Afraid of the Dark disappointed. And finally, lastly, it's about my favorite doll franchise. You know it. I can't shut up about it. We gotta talk Monster High. Now, as I told you earlier that I had went to VidCon and I got to take part in the Monster High, the movie experience, which was so much more than just getting to see a display booth with the dolls like it usually is at San Diego Comic-Con, which I'm still going, by the way. But VidCon had a whole Monster High experience where you get to walk into the school, into the classrooms, the dorms, and it was everything I ever wanted it to be. And it's all in conjunction with the new live action Monster High movie. They had just released a new trailer for it just a couple days ago, and it looks good. I know a lot of fans out there were giving this a hard time because some of the monsters don't look exactly to the dolls. But again, you have to take liberties and changes in stride. Uh, one of the songs, Three of Us, was released on Spotify, but yet randomly taken down it was just up two days ago it is just it was just taken down today i don't know what's going on with spotify in that respect also weird side note if you go to spotify right now and go into the search engine and type my upside down playlist the exact wording you use actually is upside down playlist just those three words it'll give you the a playlist of your songs that you listen to that would be the songs that would help protect you against Vecna. I think that's a cool feature. And it's so uniquely you. But anyway. So yes, Monster High did release a new song that was from the live action movie called Three of Us that was available online, but I guess it isn't anymore. 
Um, it's a, it's weird. I don't understand. But regardless of that, the mo- the trailer for the movie looks fantastic. I really wish people will give it more of a chance before they judge it too harshly. Especially now after hearing the songs, they sound awesome. I'm so invested in it. So with that being said, guys, go and check out the trailer on YouTube. There, you might even find a few clips here or there that was probably from the from the experience at VidCon. The movie is slated to be released on October 6th. Go and check it out. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on tonight's episode. I know this episode was chaotic and it was a little all over the place, but that's honestly how these last two weeks have been in a nutshell. Um, For me personally, it hasn't been that bad, but in terms of news and media between politics and the government and all these new releases that have just been happening, because let's be honest, the spooky season is now officially starting in June. I mean, granted, when you're a goth, every day is Halloween, but I do love that mainstream media has already started to dub when Halloween products show up in stores in summer, they start calling it Code Orange, and I couldn't love it more. I just couldn't. But yeah, like I said, it's been a crazy wild ride with politics and Roe versus Wade. I didn't even get into the whole thing with Trump and at his rally and this idiot speaker said something about this is a great day for white life and Trump smiled about it and I'm like I bet you fucking patriots are eating that shit up because you guys are now saying the quiet part out loud racism on full display but not gonna make a thing about that like our government's a messed up system ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between this is this is American government and we're we're just trying to find ways to combat and fight the patriarchy. And that's all I could ever ask out of all my followers. So regardless, thank you so, so much for tuning in. Whether you live in the same city as me, state, you're, ha- you're halfway across the country or halfway across the globe. Your listenership keeps my podcast going. So thank you so, so much. And as always, you can find me on all of my social media. My Snapchat and Twitter is MoonchildNil. My TikTok, Instagram and YouTube are Morningstar Moonchild. Go and check them out. Give them a like, subscribe, follow, or even a share if you like any of the content that I do. I really do appreciate every time you guys chime in, make a comment, have a suggestion, you have something you wanted me to answer in a listener-friendly ask questions, which I know I didn't do tonight because I did not want this episode to run much longer than it was, but it will be making a comeback. That being said, there will be no episode next week, so the next episode will be released on Saturday at midnight on the 16th. After that, I will be taking a two-week hiatus um, just because I will be spending the week after that at San Diego Comic-Con, so I will not be recording while I'm at Comic-Con. I may try to do a couple of lives, no promises. I'm also starting to get into a better habit of doing lives. I usually do them on the weekends because it's a little easier and more people are available, um, which usually happens on Saturday, Sundays, roughly around noon. Now, that's never a guarantee when I go live. It's just kind of like, a, oh, if I have time, I would usually try. So that being said, there will not be an episode next week on the 9th. There will not be one on the 23rd and most likely not one on the 30th as that weekend I will be at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach. 
yeah, I'm not thrilled with the fact that Midsummer happens to be the weekend after Comic-Con, so it really books my schedule. But there will probably be a better consistency of episodes coming in August, and then September starts the serious spooky season for me, so that's a whole nother thing. But thank you regardless for all the times you guys have tuned in and listened. If you guys have followed any of my links to go and help um, the, against the war in Ukraine, if you guys are helping donating to UNICEF, I opened an LGBT fund fund on my social media so you can donate to help LGBTQIA communities stay safe. And, you know, you guys are just out there being great people. And that's all I could ever ask for at the end of the day. But that being said, guys, like I said, it's still a crazy world out there. I encourage every single one of you to please stay safe. It's hot out there. Stay hydrated. And also, coming from somebody who used to work in the food industry, if you guys are ordering Uber Eats or pizza or from pizza places or, you know, Grubhub, Postmates, etc., please remember to tip your drivers. I don't know if you've noticed this, but gas is very expensive out there. And when you don't tip your drivers, it really does hurt them. I speak from experience. So please, when you guys are out there ordering food and you're getting your driver and your driver delivers your food, especially if it's on time and it's fresh and it's hot and it's the way you want it, please tip your drivers. They truly do appreciate it. They need it. So that being said, guys, stay good people out there. Remember to hydrate, stay safe, spread kindness because it is free. And I'll see you in two weeks. Blessed be.